morning, everybody. Oh, it's great to be here this morning. I have just got to say that worship this morning was absolutely wonderful. That was so good. It's just being, being able to just connect with God. You did so well, Ainsley. And Ken and, and Melanie and, and everybody. You start mentioning names and you remember you haven't remembered everybody's name, so lesson there. <laughs> Praise God. It's so good to be here. And um, I just want to say... I just love the name of this church. I think this name, <clears throat> Echo Church, from heaven to earth, is just an incredible name. It's, it is, it's very, very empowering. You know, when you receive Christ, you got born again into the kingdom of God, and you are a miracle. You are, I call it the miracle of new creation man. And the miracle of new creation man is that when we talk about Echo Church and echoing heaven and doing the works of Jesus and reflecting Jesus, that's not just a bit of wishful thinking. That is actually theologically incredibly sound. It is a very, very sound biblical teaching that we can do this. Um, Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 and in verse 26 you know, God had an eternal plan. God's eternal plan was a family that would live with Him forever. That is why we have eternal life, because we will be living forever and ever and ever with God. Praise God. That is so amazing. It just goes on. It just goes on and on and on. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be what? Like us. God created us to be like Him. So echoing isn't some weird concept. It's very, very sound. We do know, however, that um, Adam fell. And the image that we had when we were just like God, we'd lost that image through the fall of man. But when Christ came, when Jesus came, that image got restored. And in Romans 8 verse 29 is one of my very favourite scriptures in the entire Bible. Have a look at this. For God knew His people, that's us, God knew us in advance before He created the heavens and the earth so you could be part of His family, which you are, praise God. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them to be like His Son. That is pretty intense. We've been chosen to be like Jesus. No, we're not the Son of God, but we are in the same family so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I find that so exciting that, that we are all part of a family. We are brothers and sisters, and Jesus is the firstborn member of the family. Anyway, so we can echoing. I, I just think it's such an empowering name for a church, but we just need to people who don't just have, oh yeah, this is the name of my church, dude. This is my lifestyle. I have a lifestyle. I'm gonna live like Jesus. I've been born again into God's family, and I'm I am like Jesus, and I want to live like him, and I can live like him. Praise God. This morning I want to speak on the subject heart responses that echo heaven. Heart responses that echo heaven. And this morning, I'm going to be focusing on a man who was described as being a man after God's own heart. 
What a description to be called a man after God's own heart. This, this, this man was, was Israel's greatest ever king, of course, King David. King David was known as a man after God's own heart. Let's have a look at David. Have you got a picture of David here? What? What? Mitchie, I said King David, not David Box. Can, Michael, Michelangelo's version of King David. Um, if, if you have been to, if you've been to Flor- Florence, wasn't it? If you've been to Florence, um, poor King David didn't wear bodies, but in, I thought this is a family service, so this is, this is, this is King David. Can I tell you that this man, David, was known, is known as Israel's greatest king? And, but I'd also like to tell you that this man wasn't born a superhero. He wasn't born a superhero. Um, in fact, he was so average that even his own father and his own family overlooked him. Didn't think that really he was destined for greatness at all. He wasn't born a superhero. He was Mr. Average. It's a bit like... When I was at school and they were choosing sporting teams, you'd pick people. I'll pick, I'll pick Dave. I'll pick Justin. And, you know, the real good players would be picked first, you know. I was, I was one of those people sort of at the end, okay, come on, Smith, you know, sort of like overlooked. I think David was a bit, bit like that. He was overlooked. In fact, um, the, the classic, the classic um, passage about David with this is 1 Samuel chapter 16. We'll turn to this. We've got the, got the PowerPoints here. Um, Samuel had come because a new king needed to be installed and the new king was one, going to be one of Jesse's sons. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, when they all arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab. He was the first one brought forward and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed because he just looked the part. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God looks upon the heart. You may think I wasn't really born to be anybody special, the thought of me doing great things for God. Have you got a heart? Yeah, we've got a heart. And then, um, and then all of Jesse's sons came, except for David. Jesse didn't even bother bringing David along. He didn't, he thought, David, no way. But God had other plans and Samuel said, any others? And David came along. And then in verse 13, we have here. So as David stood there among his brothers... Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. This was the beginning of the the career of Israel's greatest king. And I want you to note here very significantly that the Holy Spirit was always with David. And this is the New Testament. And that wasn't a normal thing in the New Testament. Don't ever underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. He is your heavenly helper in all that we do. So it was David's heart responses that gave him such favour. His heart responses. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, um, we are told in the New Testament, 
But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. A man after my own heart. He will do everything. In my time this morning, there is so much you could say about David. I'm going to do a, a, a study on David. Pick some things out from his life that we can relate to that, that are very practical. There are so many things we could say, but I'm, there are just two things that I want to focus on. Two outstanding qualities about David that I believe endeared him to God as a man after God's own heart. These two things are things that we can take on board, all of us, and they are so incredibly potent. So the two outstanding heart qualities of David, and this first one is just so significant and so much of what the meeting has been so far reflects it. Number one, David's heart yearned for God's presence, for intimacy with God and fellowship. His heart yearned. I would say this is the foundation this is the foundation that David laid in his life a massive massive desire for the presence of God. I love Psalm 27 verse 4. Um, to me, if you get nothing else from this message this morning, take this scripture home with you. This is David, the greatest king, the man after God's own heart. He says, "One thing." And other versions say, "This one thing. This one thing." This priority I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. David, he yearned for God's presence. This is David. David was a tough guy. David wasn't sort of a, you know, sort of a, you know, quiet little meek man who just, you know, sat around worshipping. David was the killer. You know, he, he pulled down Goliath. He was, he, had, he was just, you know, he was just, he was a tough guy. He was the UFC champion if he lived today. You know, he, he was just out there. He was a man's man, but he was a worshipper. He just worshipped and worshipped. Men need to be worshippers. This was David, the number one thing he sought. And then we have a scripture like Psalm 63, verse 1. And he says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Can you see why this man was great? Look, He's earnestly seeking God. He's thirsting for God. His whole body is longing for God. There's a heart cry for God. It's the heart foundation that I believe will empower us to echo heaven in every way, built upon the presence of God. His whole life, it wasn't just for him. It wasn't just a, I'm going to be singing tunes. His whole life reflected this. From a young age, we see him worshipping God. He worshipped in Saul's, in Saul's household. We see him writing a large percentage of the book of Psalms. We see his desire was to bring back the Ark of the Covenant, 
which was the presence of the Lord back to Jerusalem. We see him setting up the tabernacle in Jerusalem and establishing a type of worship that we do today, a type of charismatic worship of, you know, raising arms and dancing before the Lord and singing new songs to the Lord. He, this was David, the tough guy. He built his life upon the presence of the Lord. And in his old age, he just wanted to build a house, a temple for God. It was presence, presence, presence. Israel's greatest king, the man who had a heart after God, made presence his number one priority. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. Firm foundation is the presence of God. If we take this attitude on ourselves and value and seek after God's presence and live in God's presence, I believe that we will receive supernatural empowerment, supernatural empowerment in what I consider probably, arguably, the two most important, the two most important things that Jesus has asked us to do. The great, the great commandment, you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the great commandment. Jesus considered this priority, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This was the priority. It's called the great commandment. It's, it's, it, is so, it is so important for us to be able to recognize that we can come into a love relationship with God. It's this type of love, can I tell you, this type of love, to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength is nurtured in his presence. It is we come before God, we just give God time. You've done it this morning. There were people here this morning and as you worship God, you, you were almost tearful. You were just, oh, I love you so much, Lord. It's David said this one thing. It empowers us to be able to come into a relationship with love, of love with God. And this is heaven's echo because God is love. And he wants, us to, he wants to come into a love relationship with us. It's certainly, he's got it already. It's, it's us to respond to him. But then we are to love people in the same way. This type of thing is nurtured and, and, and established in his presence. That's the first thing. Not only was, is, there, is there the great commandment, which is empowered by God's presence, but um, we also, heaven's heartbeat, heaven's heartbeat is seeing people reconciled to God. This is heaven's heartbeat. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Be reconciled to God and become part of God's family. The heartbeat of heaven is, is the redemption of people. It was so much the heartbeat of heaven that God himself left heaven and came to earth on a mission to see people reconciled to God. And I believe that as we take on David's attitude of this one thing, I, this, this one thing I desire, this one thing I seek is your presence. As we become presence people, we will... We will we will supernaturally be, in a sense, prepared and effective in this, in this incredible great commission of seeing people reconciled to God. For me, seeing, 
helping people come to Christ, I think is arguably the most rewarding thing that I can do in my life. Because if I help somebody come to Christ, I've helped them to become part of God's family. And when they're in God's family, they're out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of, of God. And they are now positioned to get every blessing there is because they've been born again into a place of blessing. This morning, there are two people, two people who are, who are walking into a church, in, a little church in South Melbourne, two people who have got issues, um, drinking issues. They're walking in to a church in South Melbourne and the pastor is going to be welcoming them and some people in the church are going to be gathering around them because these two people have been Christians for less than a month. These are people who I have made friends with in South Bank. The first was a man who I have befriended now for months and months because God put within my heart that he would help me, he would help me to help this man become born again. I've befriended him for months and months and about three weeks ago, outside Delgatti's Cafe in South Melbourne, we sat down, had a cup of coffee and I led him to Christ. And I was so very, very happy. And every time I see him, he wants to have a coffee with me. <laughs> because he sits down and he sort of has a blanket and people give him money. And every time he sees me, he says, can we have a coffee? I say, sure, he says, and he says, I'm, I'm, I'm paying. <laughs> no, he's the homeless guy. Well, he's not homeless, but he's, you know, begs for money. And um, this week, I knew he wanted to have a coffee with me, and I thought, oh, I'm really busy. I don't want to have a cup of coffee. So I sort of parked on the other side of the road, and I thought I'd sneak by. And as I walked by to the post office, I looked, I saw him, and I saw him talking to a lady. And immediately the Holy Spirit said to me, presence of God, go down and talk. So I went down there and I saw my friend and he was talking to a lady. So I immediately knew, I thought, immediately in my heart I thought, God, please help me to help this lady. And I started talking to her and I said, can we, can we get together for a talk and blah, 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 and have a coffee? And I told her I was a minister, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she said yes. So the next day, this was Thursday this week. On a freezing cold morning, we sat outside Delgatti's, outside in the smoking area. It was so cold. It was, I think it was down to about four degrees. We had a cup of coffee, and I'm, I'm sharing with the good news of the gospel. I shared my testimony with her. And she's somebody, and she says, she, she's, a, she's a good lady, but life, there's nothing, she's just completely bored with life. There's just nothing there for her. And I'm sharing with her, then I do the bridge illustration with her. And I said, do you want to become born again? And she said, I want to become a born again right now. And out there in the cold, I'm saying, dear Jesus, I believe in you. And she's saying, dear Jesus, I've led her to Christ out there in the cold. That was, that, was, that, was on, that was on Thursday. That was on Thursday. Then I saw her on Friday, the two of them, which I'd led to the Lord. And, there, and she's going to this church this morning. And she's now bringing him. So these two people are going to be walking in to church now. Bit of a long story for me to share here, but, I, I, but now I just want to say to you, it all happened because of God's presence. Seriously, in God's presence, he gave me a desire. He showed me who I needed, needed to go to. With God's presence, I extended love and friendship, which is a fruit of the Spirit. In God's presence, I waited for the right time. When the time was right, I presented the gospel to him in a very clear, precise manner. 
I always look to, pro- to proclaim the gospel because it's a supernatural message. And if you proclaim the gospel, I find now, because I know how to present it, sort of in a relatable way, I'm pretty sure people will say, yes, I want to receive Christ. And then, but it was all the Holy Spirit. So I, I seriously, I w- not all the time, I'd be lying if I said all the time, but I'd like to all the time be walking around always with my spiritual antenna beeping, walking in the presence, walking in the spirit and hearing God's heartbeat to see people reconciled. I am looking forward to the day, and it's coming, it's, it's, it's building, where we come to church on a Sunday, and you guys are going to have to fight for seats because people are bringing in, you know, people and all of that to hear the gospel. You know, just like that, that church in South Melbourne this morning, they're going to be pretty blessed. Anyway, I don't want to rave on about that for too long. Praise God. I love it. Love it. So, realistically, I could say this. David, the man after God's own heart, this one thing I do, I seek after God's presence. My feeling is, if you make this the one thing you do, I think you'll find all the other things start to fall into place. It'll fall into place. Praise God. Look, the second heart quality of David, of which there are more than two, but this to me is massive, is that David was an overcomer. He was an overcomer. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 30 And verse 6, David has just been hit with everything you can imagine in his life. Now it reaches the final point, and it says here, David was greatly distressed because the men, his own men, his mighty men who he had mentored and raised up, because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. They'd all been taken away. Um, long story, but David, they'd been invaded. David was in charge. All of the, the wives, the kids had all been taken. And his own people now the, wanted to kill him. But look, but David found strength in the Lord his God. I love that. David found strength in the Lord his God. No matter what was thrown at David, David was an overcomer. You could not knock him off his perch. Nothing would take this man down. He was an overcomer, not because he was naturally strong. He found his strength in God. And I think that this is such an incredibly significant Christian quality to God. Um, Because God's plan for his family is that his family would be an overcoming family. You just have to read the New Testament and you'll see time and time again. He's given us power and authority over the works of the enemy, um, uh, the Bible tells us. He tells us that we can overcome the things of the world through faith. he, He talks about his church. I will build my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will keep it out. It, Jesus sees us as overcoming people. Paul says we are more than conquerors through Christ. We, we, we are overcomers. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's Scripture after Scripture after Scripture about the fact that we've been called because we are new creation people, because we are in Christ, because we're in the kingdom of God and His family, we can overcome. It doesn't say we're not going to get problems and issues because we are, but we will overcome them. Nothing can take us out. In fact, 
In fact, in the book of Revelation, when Jesus talks to the seven churches of Revelation, there is a reoccurring theme in all seven, which is to those who overcome. It's huge. David was somebody who, this one thing I seek is your presence. And because he, he, he lived in God's presence and the Holy Spirit was always on him, like the Holy Spirit's always on us, he was able to overcome every obstacle. He was an overcomer and God loved that. He, his identity dictated his lifestyle. Now, in the remaining time, I just want to talk about some areas of overcoming that David did that we really need to relate to and do relate to. The first thing I want to say is this. David overcame his personal failure. He overcame his personal failure. The reality is that David made bigger mistakes than you've ever made. The greatest king Israel's ever had, the man after God's own heart, has made bigger, bigger mistakes than you've ever, than you've ever made. But he picked himself up. He picked himself up from failure. And yet we have a situation where so many people, it's as though they fail and there's that, there, there's that old expression, well, you've made your bed, you've got a lie in it as well. Have you heard that expression? Well, as far as Jesus is concerned, get up, get up of your bed and start walking. You know, if we get up from failure. Now, look, let me just show you this, this incident and the lesson from it. 2 Samuel chapter 11 records the problem here. 2 Samuel 11 from verse 1. Now, just, just follow me. In the, in the spring of the year... When kings normally go out to war, David said Joab and the Israelite army to fight with the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Ramah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. When kings would normally go out to war, David didn't go. We're talking about a mistake here, which we all do have, make. When kings normally go out, David stayed behind. That tells me a little bit about the importance of us being spiritually employed, about us not just sort of blobbing out as a Christian and never really being out there. That was what, what David did. He Instead of going out to battle, he stayed behind. And then late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace while the rest of, the, the rest of them were out there on the battlefield. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Um, he was looking at a lady taking a bath. She was probably nude. Um, if you like, in, in our modern day context, he was viewing pornography. Um, he was looking at things he shouldn't be looking at, viewing pornography, which we are told is an absolute killer and is such a massive problem. Anyway, that's what he was doing. He then sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. We know the story. This awesome man of God had a failure. 
But what I have to tell you is he turned it around. He turned it around through a word, a very, very potent word, which, which, um, which Justin spoke about last week, a word called repentance. God, by his kindness, leads us to repentance. Repentance is a very, very powerful word because it's a transformation word. It transforms. David got transformed from his failure, got transformed through repentance. Okay, are you following me? I just want to show you what his repentance looks like. Then you'll start to see why this man was a man after God's own heart. Psalm 51, the whole chapter is the repentance chapter. This is David pouring out his heart after he's been busted. He's been, it's just God has addressed the issue. And this is what David says in Psalm 51. Follow his heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Remember, this is Old Testament. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Okay, um, I didn't start from verse one. Let's just, let's just, um, did I read verse one? No, I'll start from verse one. Go back one, please, Mitchell. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts, it haunts me day and night. Then he says, create a clean heart in me, blah, blah, blah. This type of heart attitude turns failure on its neck. It just turns it upside down. This, David, David, was, David was the king. Back then, the king had a, the liberty to do whatever they want to. You know, kings were kings. They could, just, they, they could just do whatever they wanted. But look at the heart of this man. God, have mercy. Um, wash me clean. Blood out the center of my Purify me. I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. This man made a mistake. And he didn't have the attitude of, oh, well, who cares? I'm the king. Whoopee-doo, you know. You know, no one can really do anything about this. It broke his heart because he broke, because he, 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 fa- he fa- faulty failed. In his head, he knew that what he had done was wrong. It was in his head, I know, why did I do it? But it wasn't just a head thing, it was a heart thing. I'm so genuinely sorry. God, I'm so sorry. And then, then at the end, at the end he says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Not only is saying, I'm sorry, but God, I'm just gonna, I am just gonna learn from this. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna help people just rise above like I've done. This was transformational. And I think this is something that is so key for us echoing heaven and having a heart like God's to, how do I put it, just to, be so passionate about doing things God's way. And, and when we fail, not just having a, I couldn't really care less. I've stuffed up. I'm under grace. God forgives me. Whoopee-doo. I don't know whether that person's going to be transformed. Do you know what I'm saying? I think tra- to be transformed means, oh, I know I'm wrong. I'm so sorry. I know God's forgiven me, but I'm still sorry. It's, it's a little bit like if... if if my wife really, really hurt me badly, hurt me. So, you know, it's, 
you know, we'll get over it. What's that going to do for our relationship? But if she hurt me really badly and said, Mike, I just, why did I do that? I'm so sorry I did it. I feel so bad about it. Please forgive me. I'm clearly going to forgive her, but unlike that movie of many, many years ago called Love Story where the key line was, love is never having to say you're sorry, I'm thinking there's power in recognizing when we have fallen short and feeling bad. There's nothing wrong with feeling bad about it when we failed. It's bad if you, if you spend the rest of your life there. You feel bad about it. And God, I'm so sorry. And then pick yourself up. Get on with life. He will forgive you. Okay? It's, it's incredible that this man, he stuffed up so badly and yet he rose to such great heights. It's, God, it's, 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 it's God's grace. Okay. Um, He's not the animal. Look, look, at, look at Peter denied the Lord so badly, and yet he came back stronger than ever. I can't help feeling the prodigal son. When the prodigal son comes and says, oh, I've sinned against God and against my father. I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm, you know, he, it was just a hard thing. Something tells me that when the prodigal son got back to his father, he was going to be transformed. He wasn't going to be doing that again. He was going to be going on strong. There's just something about that. That is a characteristic of David. Okay, look. Here's something else that is hugely important about David with this whole thing overcoming. He overcame personal failure, big, big, big thing, through, this, through the grace of repentance. But secondly, David overcame offences. David overcame offences. David could have been offended by so many things. He could have been offended by his father overlooking him. He could have been offended by his brothers he could have been offended by King Saul, who he was looking after, and Saul treated him so badly. He could have been offended by his wife, who would mock him when he was worshipping God. He could have been offended by his friends who wanted to stone him. Offence after offence after offence came upon David, but he refused to let his heart become poisoned. He would not let his heart become poisoned through offence. Now, the bad news for us today, is that people are going to offend you. It is going to come. Jesus says in, uh, in Luke chapter 17 and verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, it is impossible that no offences should come. Offences will come your way. And I personally believe, and I say this after pastoring for um, however many years it was now, 30 years or whatever, I have seen this. I believe that offences are the most dangerous thing to, to affect the church. Offences. Um, offences can destroy you, will destroy you, have destroyed some people. Offences. Um, the Greek word for offences is the Greek word skandalon. The Vines Greek New Testament Dictionary describes skandalon. This is what an, it, the word offence is the same word as this, the name of the part of a trap to which the bait is attached. Consider this great big bait, this trap that's open like with those clawy things on it, with a, the thing there with a bit of food, and the animal comes and has a bite, and boof, the thing comes and lops its head off. It's that thing, that part of the, of the, the trap, is the same Greek word as offence. That is what offence can do. I seriously have seen marriages that have fallen apart, which should never, ever have fallen apart, but they have done because of offences. I have seen families in disarray 
and that it could have been restored, but no, because of offences. Um, I, I, I have seen people who have been crippled spiritually because they've been offended in church and they'll never ever go into a church again because they, they've, they've been, been offended. I've seen friends become enemies through offences. I think worst of all, I have literally seen people, this is the worst type of offence, who've been offended by God. You know, people say, well, God, you're meant to be doing this for me and you're meant to be doing this for me, you're meant to be doing this for me, and now look what's happened. I'm so angry with you, God. And their faith has become a shipwreck. Can I tell you, God doesn't make mistakes full stop. There's one thing I learned early on as a Christian, never blame God for anything. He can never be blamed for anything. He's perfect in all of his ways. I don't have to understand them. But God is, God is perfect. It's, it's, it's offences. And we have a choice. We, we don't have to live with offence. God has supernaturally, because of who we are, because we've been made like Jesus, because we're new creations in Christ, we have the provision to overcome. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness. We can forgive. In fact, if you read your New Testament, you would probably be aware that you don't have an option but to forgive. There are so many things that saying, as a Christian, you have to forgive. That's heaven's heartbeat. God forgave the world and he, he, the, his family needs to do the same. And, and basically, if you don't forgive, you may be offended and the offense might kill you. The trap, boof, will come and steal so much from you. We have the ability to get over it. And if we have been offended, we need to go on a journey of recovery to get ourselves out of it. Praise God. Um, yeah, my final, my final point is this. Um, this is a, a real quick one. Um, David, okay, David, over, David overcame failure, which was significant. He overcame offences, which was significant. He also overcame his destiny destroyers, the things that would wreck his future. He overcame them. The classic example was one of the first things that he did and the thing he's probably most famous for, he pulled down the, the giant Goliath, that was a destiny destroyer. Israel's destiny had hit a standstill. They could go no further because this big giant was standing in the way, intimidating them. Israel, all of Israel, his brothers were all absolutely gripped with fear and had no ability, no desire to go against this giant. You can now see one of the reasons why David was exalted above his brothers. His brothers might have been bigger and tougher, um, but David had the heart. David's attitude was, you come against me with sword, whatever, but I come against you in the name of the Lord and all of that. And David pulled down a destiny destroyer. In David's life, he was hit by destiny destroyers everywhere. Wherever he went, it was as though something was going to stop his progress but he kept pushing through. And I just want to, I just want to, want to say this, that we, no matter what comes our way, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We, we are new creation people. We need to be speaking the new creation language. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The first date I ever went on with my wife, Julie, I remember this quite clearly. Drove into the city and walked to the movie theatre with her. And, uh, and then at the end of the movie theatre, Julie, this is the first date with me, discovered one of my weaknesses, no sense of direction. I got to the movie theatre and um, 
started walking in the complete opposite direction to where my car was parked. She was a real lady about it. She didn't say anything. You know, she just sort of calmly walked. And I said, that's strange. I'm sure I had a car. And she said, yeah, that's strange. It was, you know, she knew all along I walked in the complete opposite direction. Anyway, uh, so, but that, that's just sort of part of it. But the first date we went on, we went to the movies. I was to the movies and we saw a movie called Joni. And it was a movie about Joni Erickson. A young girl, 16, 17-year-old, a young girl who got, I think she was, got dumped by a wave and she became a quadriplegic. Um, terrible, terrible situation for her. Young teenage girl and she was like that and believed God to be healed and she hasn't received healing. Um, the girl, you wouldn't want to go through anything like that. But she turned a test into a testimony. She's still alive today, I believe. She has a worldwide ministry that has influenced thousands, millions of people who've got disabilities and all sorts of things. And she's just, she just radiates the glow of God and has seen so many people come to Christ. And if you were to say to her, how did you do it? She said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, nothing can take you out of the game. Nothing can take you out of the game. And so these things were just a couple of things that I think were so key. A foundation of God's presence from that, everything else will happen, but recognising that you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror, and you can, as you, as you rest in God's presence, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall exchange strength. You can experience God's peace as you present things to Him. And the final scripture that I want to share, which is a prophetic scripture for everybody here, 2 Samuel 7 verses 8b, this is the prophet talking to David, and the word was, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel. Can I tell you, Echo Church, and members of God's family, that God's plan for each one of you, no matter where you are sitting right now, is God wants to take you from and He wants to take you to. It's, it's up like that. It's not, my best years are gone and now it's a downhill slide. It's up. God wants to take you from and he wants to take you to. And you might be immobilised because you have failed. You might be immobilised because your whole life is, has been wrecked because of offences. You might be immobilised because you just feel as though there's giants everywhere. God wants to take you from and he wants to take you to. That is, what he, that is his plan for you. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord God. So, Lord, I just want to, I just want to thank you for this, for, for, for this one statement of David's. This one thing I seek to be in your presence. I pray, Lord God, for me, for every, all of us here, that, Lord God, that we will recognise the incredible privilege and the supernatural power of learning, as Justin said earlier, to, to, to experience God in the secret place and every place, wherever we go, to know that we are constantly in your presence and may we have an awareness of that presence. I pray, Lord, that for all of us, this will be the firm foundation that we build our future on. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. Amen. Amen.